Hello, and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber. With me, as always, Stephen White. Hey, Stephen, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? I am doing great. You survived the trade deadline, I see? Yeah, I'm a little, you know, shook. I'm keep looking at my timeline waiting for somebody else to get traded. <laughs> or not get traded, as it may happen. You know, maybe your team fails to turn in the paperwork or something like that. But it's like a whole bunch of stuff came in at once. It's crazy. Uh, right at the deadline. And I'm just, you know. I'm still, still kind of like, oh my God, did somebody else get traded? So, <laughs> and it was some pretty big ones too. Kind of took you off, you know, took you by surprise. I guess I would say. Yeah. No. I mean, I, that was weird because, like, I, I, it was, it got real quiet for the rest of the day, and then like all of a sudden, in the afternoon, which to me was maybe the. I know the Garoppolo one was probably the biggest, just in terms of like the headline generating but like the big the the one that was the most surprising one was kind of the one that came in pretty late was the kelvin benjamin trade like you don't see a receiver like that i mean that has all the bona fides of the quote-unquote number one receiver getting traded very often you know well especially on a team where it looks like he's one of the top receivers if not the top receiver uh yeah. you know they throw the football a lot to uh christian mccaffrey but as far as the receivers go i mean kelvin has had good years in the past he was he was injured before he, he tore up his knee and missed the season but he's been pretty good this year as far as i can tell i went back and watched his film and so um at the time it was just kind of a head scratcher now for the bills they obviously needed <laughs> to get some wide yeah. receivers in there because they traded away or, or released the guys that they could have or let walk the guys that, that could have helped them. You know, all the receivers from last year pretty much are gone. Uh, Sammy Watkins and those guys. So there's still kind of, you know, Tyrod Taylor, their quarterback is still kind of adjusting to Jordan Matthews, who yeah. they just uh, uh, um, picked up right before the season started. So they needed help. Uh, I don't think they really overpaid at all for Kelvin Benjamin, and I, I'll be honest with you, the more I went back and watched film after the trade, the more I felt like this is this could be a home run for Buffalo. Yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, like, I, what, I think Schefter or somebody tweeted, or maybe I, I don't remember where I saw it today, but, like, Buffalo is the only team in the league that's thrown more passes to its running backs than it has its wide receivers. And, and you know, they just don't – I mean – bless Tyrod Taylor's heart. Cause he's just, I mean, he's working his ass off in relative anonymity and doesn't have much to work with. And that offense has really been kind of geared around shady McCoy, but like, you know, they got another half a season to play and they're five and two to the surprise of everybody. And they just, they went out and damn damned if they didn't get better at the deadline, much better, maybe. Right, it, it it'll all come down to how quickly they can, um, you know, get Kelvin Benjamin assimilated to their offense. Yeah. Um, but I, I really feel like it, it's a good match. Kelvin Benjamin is a big guy, and I know people knock his speed, but he can take the top off a of defense because he has such a big catch radius. Yeah. You just throw it up to him. The Panthers didn't really run those kind of routes for him to a lot to be quite honest Mm -mm. it's funny because their fans uh were kind of tweeting me (laughs) like uh sunday he caught the touchdown on the bucks and i i know that they don't really run that particular route a lot because i watch 
everybody play every week. He they ran a route where it looked like he was going inside. They were they were going against cover two, mm-hmm. and so when 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 the receiver, the wide receiver, goes inside like that, takes an inside release, the cornerback usually passes him off to the safety. Yeah. Well, now you're putting the six five six six Kelvin Benjamin on a safety who's using around five eleven six foot at the most, and you just throw it up to him. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did, and they got an easy touchdown. But you just didn't see them using him like that. I bet you Buffalo would use him that way quite a bit. And, you know, he gives them something they haven't really had since they, they got rid of Sammy Watkins. Yeah. He gives them that deep threat. He gives them the guy that can stretch the field. And so now defenses have to respect that, especially because we know the one thing that Tyrod Taylor can do above all else is throw that deep ball. He yeah. has great touch and great accuracy on those deep balls and so if he just puts it in the vicinity in bounds with kelvin benjamin you know he, he can make those catches down the field those are more like 65 35 catches rather than 50 50 balls if you put it in a good position for him yeah so uh i, I love this trade for buffalo i just it's kind of a head scratcher for <laughs> the panthers who still have a chance to kind of you know move back up in the first place in that division. Yeah. No, and, and like the Panthers, I mean, the Panthers, just, it just seems like they're just kind of getting by on their defense being pretty good right now. And the offense not, you know, being able to score enough points just to kind of, you know, make the defense's work worthwhile. And I know it's a, it's a, that's a, I mean, talk about a head scratcher. And that's another thing too, that you don't necessarily see just watching the game live is that a lot of times, the offense, when it did work well in Carolina, a lot of it wasn't necessarily Benjamin getting the ball thrown his way, but it was defenses showing him respect, knowing that we need to keep somebody over the top of him yeah. and letting other guys get open. That's yeah. another thing that stood out to me on film. You didn't really see many times where they just left him singled up on the, on, on the outside. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know – I felt like the the Panthers should have done a much better job of getting him the football. They didn't really treat him like a number one wide receiver. I have a feeling Buffalo is not going to make that same mistake. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's just a, and it's, he's an interesting addition too. Cause like I was just looking at the list of receivers in Buffalo. I think he's kind of one of those guys that'll make those other guys around him better. You know what I mean? Like Jordan Matthews and Zay Jones, the draft pick has kind of struggled I think they had higher hopes for him than what he's been able to produce this year. Right. And and, and we always like people are always going to bring up uh, Kelvin Benjamin's hands because he has concentration drops from time to time. Yeah. But most of the time, the overwhelming majority of the time, that dude has fantastic hands. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> I'm looking back through, through his film and I'm not sure I saw one catch of his where he didn't have to stretch for the football, whether high or low or behind him or in front of him. There were very few balls that he caught that were, you know, right on him. Yeah. On target. So he can make those uh, uh, spectacular catches as well. And and I think more to the point, he can make the routine catch. He can Mm -hmm. also move the chains. He's a big body guy. And so you throw it to him in traffic and he can make those uh, plays too. The thing you're gonna see, I think, is the more you see him being used in that offense, the more dynamic he'll be. Because I think he's gonna get a little bit more juiced the more the more balls that he sees. Whereas in Carolina, it might be two 
two possessions before he had a, a throw thrown his way, it, yeah. especially something that he actually could catch. Yeah, you know, I saw a bunch of, of balls where he's running a good route, an out route or something like that, and he makes the catch, but the ball's a little bit wide, so he ends up out of bounds. Yeah. So it, it's little things like that where the numbers don't really tell the tale of how well Kevin Benjamin played this year. And, it, you know, really that offense, that Panthers offense should have been a lot better. It, you know, I don't see how this is a plus move for them. Yeah. I don't see how this makes them any better, right? And maybe they don't fear the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints are 5-2. and two, The Panthers are 5-3. and three. Maybe they just are sure they can overtake them. But I, I'm not sure how this helps in that endeavor. Because <laughs> yeah. now you're going to have to rely on guys who haven't played much, um, you know, maybe have a little bit more speed, but also probably can't make that, that catch in traffic either. Yeah. You know, you got Devin Funches who, t- to their credit, they said uh, they felt like they had two guys who were too similar. Yeah. Um, but I really don't – I don't feel that way. I, I, I don't look at Dev, uh, Devin Funches as the same kind of deep threat as Kelvin Benjamin yeah. because his hands aren't nearly as good. And and to my to, in my opinion, his speed isn't either, his long speed. He might could keep up with Kelvin the first 20 yards, and then Kelvin's going to take away from him. I talked about that. In his write-up, yeah. you see it time and time again. He's a long strider, so Kelvin Benjamin gains speed throughout the throughout his deep route, where some guys are able to hit their top speed earlier, but then they can't accelerate any more than that. Yeah. So I mean, they, they both are big. I give them that. But uh, I, you know, who if if Devin Funches isn't making plays, and now he's of course going to get most of the attention, who's going to step up and make plays? in a Panthers offense that already was up and down. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, and they seem to just be bound and determined to get uh, to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey at the expense of everything else in the offense. And that's another thing. It's like, it's like for them, everything has to be so obvious almost with Mike Shuler, right? Like yeah. somebody had a statistic the other day that, Every single time Christian McCaffrey is lined out wide, he gets a target. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Right? Can you be any more obvious than that? And it's like, that's kind of how the, the Panthers' offense is. The more you watch it is, everything is almost set up for one guy to get the football. Yeah. And so every time you have a play where you're predetermining that, that McCaffrey is getting the pass. And, and sure, he needs some targets. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good receiving running back. But every time you you, you have a play where you know he's going to, to get the football before the play, that means that's another opportunity that you don't have to see what Kelvin Benjamin can do against the opposing yeah. defense. You know, why not run plays where, okay, maybe McCaffrey gets open or maybe Kelvin gets open or maybe Funches gets open but you just go to the open guy rather than predetermining it. Yeah. It's just so obvious. If you're a defense coordinator, now to, the thing about the Panthers is they're pretty good. Yeah. You know, they, they got Stewart, who's a very good running back, too. We all know the weapon that Cam Newton is. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's obvious, sometimes they still are able to have some pretty good success. But, man, it's, it's just a wonder that they, they've they been win, winning as many games as they have with the offense that is this predictable. And now – you take away another option, a guy who was getting respect from opposing defenses, 
And to me, it's going to get even more obvious where the ball is going, and it's going to be a lot harder for them to move the football and definitely harder for them to score. Yeah. I mean, they, to me, were much better on offense than the Bucks were on defense last week, but they only scored 17 points. Yeah. So, and one of those was a Calvin Benjamin touchdown. <laughs> so, I'm just saying, we'll see how it works out, but I don't understand this move at all. I don't on the side of the Panthers for the, for the the Bills, they probably couldn't believe that they had such good fortune <laughs> right at the death. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you know, their connections. They're that Buffalo's GM used to be working the front office in Carolina, and their head coach was obviously the DC there for a while. But it's a uh, you know the. Weird, like there's that offensive inconsistency has sort of been, like, obviously you you think back to the Super Bowl and when the Panthers lost to the Broncos that year and what a defining moment that was when, you know, the offensive game plan just was adamant that Mike Rimmers was going to one up with Von, <laughs> with Von Miller and just like. It's just like if is there a theme happening? I mean, Carolina, like you know, we're bound and determined to be like the the Cleveland Browns that can win some games here. That's just bizarre. Well, they are better at accumulating talent. Yeah, they just by aren't far. as good as using it definitely on offense. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I you know I wouldn't go as far as to compare it to the Browns, but. As long as you have Mike Shula at offense coordinator, he's going to do some things that make you go, okay, that's pretty cool. But for the most part, you're going to be like, oh, they're going to throw it to Devin Funches on this play. Yeah. Oh, they're going to throw it to Christian McCaffrey on this play. And you just have to, you know, stop them. You can know it's coming. Yeah. But you still have to find a way to stop them. Uh, they know half the time when 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 Cam's going to run the football, the defense knows. You, you still have to stop them. Yeah. So uh, he's been fortunate really, that he's on a team that has accumulated quite a bit of talent, especially at the skill positions. I mean, you got Ed Dixon, who steps up uh, after the other uh, tight end goes down, after Olsen goes down, and doesn't really skip a beat. Yeah. Um, but if, if if they had Browns-level talent on offense, <laughs> oh, my goodness, they might, have, they might not win a game. So, no. Uh, and, and like I said, I just – you see the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're leading the uh, NFC East right now. And look yeah. like they're about to run away with it. They don't trade away talent at the deadline. No. They are a running back that a lot of people would, would question if they even need it in JSIA. Yeah. Right? And so the good teams normally are acquiring talent, not jettisoning talent yeah. at the deadline. Now, you know. Some do a little bit of both, but it's usually not, you know, somebody trading away your starting, and a lot of people would say you're number one wide receiver at the deadline. I just don't understand how that makes you better. Yeah, no. And and it's not like, I mean, and it's not like, you know, they need, it's not like they got a first-round pick or something for it. And then on the flip side of that, what a deal for Buffalo because it was a third and a seventh round pick. Buffalo's been stockpiling all those draft picks this year because, I mean, <laughs> you go back to the Sammy Watkins trade and everyone just sort of the assumption was, oh, they're going to tank this year. They're tanking this year. <laughs> I just it's smart. I mean, like I credit to the Bills. We haven't seen, uh, you know, if you're a Bills fan, 
haven't had a lot to be excited about lately, but by God, this year you do. I mean, not only that, it's like you're getting talent. You're getting a guy like Benjamin for for mid round picks, and you're still your team's still stockpiling draft picks. I mean, it's just like you're you're getting the best of both worlds if you're a Bills fan right now. Well, and I think this got a lot to do with the fact that they've actually won some games that yeah, maybe not everybody yeah. figured they would win. Yeah. Because if because if they're sitting here at you know four and three or three and four or something yeah. like that at, at the deadline, uh, they're probably going to keep jettison. I, I think they had intentions on maybe tanking. Look, everybody <laughs> acts like tanking is such this bad word, right? Yeah. You got to understand something about tanking in the NFL. It's not about like players giving up yeah. or coaches giving up. It's about the front office saying, we're not going to give them enough talent to win with. Now, if they happen to win, we'll adjust accordingly, and that's what the Bills have obviously done at this point. But a lot of people going into the season wouldn't have thought that the Bills were going to be 5-2 and two right now. No. I probably wouldn't have either. <laughs> no just way. To be honest with you. <laughs> not after all the talent that they lost. You know, you, you you basically give Sammy away. I mean, come on. And your best cornerback. Right. And so, for a lot of reasons, j- just like the Jets, and, and and the Jets are kind of regressing to the mean. I told you. Yeah. The, you, yeah. you get fooled for a few weeks. <laughs> Over the long haul, the Jets are going to be the Jets. Okay, period. You yeah. get mad about people saying tanking all you want to. Josh McCown is Josh McCown. He's like <laughs> he showed at the end of that Miami game. Yes. And the Jets are the Jets. So just understand that. You, 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 most of the time when a GM makes sure, that, makes sure that the team doesn't have enough talent to really win, that is tanking. Yeah. Sometimes players are able to rise above that. Sometimes they aren't. Think yeah. about the old Major League movie, right? <laughs> yeah. They had a bunch of <laughs> cats, you know, from from off the street because they were trying to tank. But the players weren't, and the coaches weren't, right? And they ended up, we know how the movie ends, but they were absolutely tanking. That's the same thing you could say for the Jets, and, and you could kind of make that case for the Bills. The Bills just found a way to end up at 5-2, and two, and now they're like, okay, maybe, maybe if we actually give Tyrod Taylor somebody to throw to, we could actually be even more successful this year. <laughs> so, you know, it's good that they finally had that revelation that, hey, maybe our quarterback needs some talent around him to get a little bit better. You know, and we'll see how that works out. It makes you wonder if they had pulled a trade like this earlier in the season or maybe if they've never just, you know, traded away Sam Watkins to, from the get-go. Maybe they have, they're even better than 5-2 and two right now and running the division. Yeah. So that, that's that's the kind of thing that kind of comes up now. But they they got Kelvin Benjamin. They made an affirmative move. You don't see the Jets making these kind of moves, right? No, because they know they're going in the <laughs> other direction. They were probably nervous for a while, like, "Oh Lord, we're gonna win with Josh McCown. We can't." <laughs> but they regressed to the mean, <laughs> and Jets, who everybody was talking about a couple weeks ago, are now standing at three and five. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and might end up being three and thirteen from all because now they're talking about benching Josh McCown. And look, I talk about Josh McCown because I'm honest about him, right? I'm not exaggerating. He is who he is. Yeah, he, he can make some plays, but he's gonna throw you out of the game most of the time. But now they're talking about benching him. And let me tell you mm-hmm. something. 
I can talk bad about Josh McCown, but he was definitely their best option this year. So <laughs> if you didn't like what you saw with McCown, woo, buddy. <laughs> Get ready. You, you stock up your liquor cabinet if you're a Jets fan. <laughs> Because it ain't about to get any better anytime soon. <laughs> oh, my God. The Christian the Christian McCaffrey era. I can't only, like, ugh. I mean, you got, some fans have to suffer through some bad things, but not Christian McCaffrey. My God. Christian Hackenberg. I got my Christians mixed up. Yeah, don't want to make that mistake because <laughs> one of them is actually pretty talented. That, that other good. guy, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. You know, it, it, it could get mighty ugly. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I just like that preseason. I thought there, you know, at the way he played in the preseason. My God, I can't even. It's a, it was a fucking surprise. He made the roster even. Oh, oh well, that's enough Christian Hackenberg talk. We got to keep folks on the on the phone here with us. <laughs> or listening in here. <laughs> See, but okay, so the other, a couple other big trades, and I think, I mean, I I can't believe that the Seattle Seahawks have a left tackle now who has actually played the position of left tackle and actually played it at a pretty high level in the NFL. But things change. Well, uh, uh, it was a fortuitous opportunity, I think. Yes. Because here you have Dwayne Brown with the Houston Texans, who have been sitting out this season uh, uh, earlier because he wanted his contract guaranteed, and his the owner did not want to do that. Maybe, maybe, because Dwayne Brown participated in, in a protest last mm-hmm. year by raising his fist up during the anthem. I'm just saying. You never know. And so, you know, it just so happens the first game Dwayne Brown is back, you know, uh, one, he's actually playing against (laughs) the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Two, we have this whole controversy where the owner comes out and and calls the players, says the inmates aren't going to run to jail, which isn't even the right (laughs) saying. No. It's it's inmates (laughs) running the asylum, but, you know. I'm sure that was just a coincidence. Oh yeah. Since guys are 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 are, are, are protesting police brutality. Yeah. And unarmed black and brown men getting shot. You just so happen to have made a, a, a the wrong saying that applies. You know, prison instead of asylum. Yeah. But but you know, Dwayne Brown ended up being somewhat of the spokesman for the players. Yeah. That last week. As a matter of fact, uh, after the game, uh, was a Will Fuller, receiver, young guy, mm-hmm. been hurt a lot of the season, has been lighting it up since he's been back, was asked about uh, what the owner said, and he de- he deferred to Dwayne Brown. He yeah. kind of referred to Dwayne Brown as the spokesman for the players. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he gets traded. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I, I doubt that Dwayne Brown is is mad to be going no. to the Seahawks. Uh, obviously, it solves a little bit of a problem for the owner because now his 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 outspoken left tackle, who just came back for one week, is gone. Yeah, and so th- they lose a little bit of that leadership in the locker room on that particular issue. 
so it, it, it's 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 it kind of uh, in a the most horrible way possible, uh, you know, opportunity knocked yeah. in this situation because obviously the Seahawks have been uh, supportive of the protests. Uh, their players have participated in the protests. Michael Bennett has been very vocal in his support of Colin Kaepernick yeah. and, and protesting uh, police brutality. And so he's going into a locker room of what seems like like-minded guys. Yeah. There's a huge fucking need there. Right? It's, not, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's not subtle at all. He's going to fill a huge fucking hole in, in, in Seattle. Yeah. And I just feel like it, it, it. This is a situation that was great for Dwayne Brown, great for the Seahawks, but I really don't like it necessarily for the Texans, only because I don't like it for the players in their locker room. I, yeah. I think Dwayne Brown really was a leader for those guys, yeah, and could have articulated um, their feelings very well, yeah, on the issues that that aren't going away. Yeah. With the protest. Um, and so now somebody has to kind of fill that void. Now, you know, the Davion Clowney showed up in a prison, prison jumpsuit at, at <laughs> the, uh, I guess it was uh, the Halloween party. Yeah. Right. So making a not so subtle statement, he <laughs> says he, it wasn't making a statement. Uh, you know, it's, it would be a hell of a coincidence if he had already ordered a prison jumpsuit outfit yeah. for all of this, right? But, but that's cool, you know. So maybe he'll take up that mantle now. He's taking up the mantle of leader on on the field at least, mm-hmm. uh, as I pointed out in the host of the week this week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I just I worry about the rest of that. The rest of that team is so young. Yeah, for the most part, a lot of their older leaders are hurt. Uh, quarterbacks are rookie, merciless. Quarterbacks are rookie. Uh, the offensive line is about to go back to being trash. And here's the thing, like, I said that I didn't like the trade for Watson after it happened. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a couple people tweeted me, oh, well, he, Dwayne Brown only played one game. Yeah, it just so happened to be the game where <laughs> Deshaun Watson lit up one of the better defenses in the league. Yeah. To have his best performance of the, the year. Do you think that's a fucking coincidence? Like, all these coincidences, huh? He just so happened to play that well when he finally had a legitimate NFL left tackle blocking his blind side. Yeah. And now they don't have to chip every fucking play. He actually has all his uh, uh, eligible receivers available to him. That won't happen again. Mm-mm. Because I, te- I'm, look, I watched that offensive line all year. And it's funny because in the first game when Tom Savage was going down play after play after play, some people were asking – well, what's Deshaun Watson going to make a difference behind this same bad offensive line? Well, a mobile quarterback gets to hide some of that stuff. Yeah. If he's any good. And Deshaun <laughs> Watson has been really good for a rookie. <laughs> right? Really good for anybody, to be honest with you, but definitely really good for a rookie. Yeah. And he is, that's why they haven't been, if Tom Savage was still playing, they would have given up nine sacks every fucking game until Dwayne Brown came back and probably would have given up seven that game. Just because all he did was was stop the other three, <laughs> yeah. You know? So, uh, Deshaun Watson is hiding how bad that offensive line is with an assist from Bill O'Brien. I give him props 
he did, as the weeks went on with Deshaun Washington quarterback, he did start adjusting his game yeah. plan both to accentuate what Washington does well and also to protect him better with chip blocks and stuff of that nature. Yeah. But when you got Dwayne Brown in there, you don't have to do a lot of that shit. Yeah. It helps open the offense up. But so now, you know, when you first hear Dwayne Brown has reported, he reported so that he could still get credit for this season, even though he missed a few games at the beginning trying to send a message. You know, you have to be in there like before week seven or week eight or something. Mm -hmm. So you still get credit for for the season yeah. as far as vesting goes. Yeah. Um. So you show up and you're like <laughs> – Man, this is great. He finally doesn't have to run for his life anymore, <laughs> which is the same shit we say about Russell Wilson yeah. every week. Right? Wouldn't it be great to see this guy not have to run for his fucking life every week? How much better could he play then? You didn't have to just constantly be on the move, avoiding traffic just so he can get the pass off. Yeah. So now it's a help to Russell Wilson. We actually get to see Russell Wilson if if, if Dwayne Brown can stay healthy and, and play relatively well. That solidifies the offensive line, and maybe Russell Wilson doesn't have to be in a track meet every week. Yeah. But guess what? Deshaun Watson, yeah, he's going to be running the mile, the half mile, <laughs> the yep. quarter, the 100-meter hurdles. <laughs> every fucking week is going to be a track meet for him <laughs> without Dwayne Brown. Yeah, yeah. And what I mean, and, and what an, the circumstances around that, too, because now it's like, you know, they expect this team, the Texans team, to win now, too. Like, they're not just like, I mean, you know, after Bill O'Brien kind of fumbled around and, you know, helped coach helped coach their way to a loss against Seattle last week, you came out that, you know, he, you know, they, they, they that someone from the team fired a, sort of a subtle message, you know, to our reporter, Thomas George, just about like, you know, we're going to be watching bill o'brien the rest of the season to make sure this is who we want coach of deshaun watson and just like well you just now you just now you've made the guy's job that much harder to do too <laughs> so you set this up for even more bullshit down the road in houston and it all you know how much of that and then just all and then so much of that comes back to the owner's dumb shit comment right and i wonder if that bullshit coming out of the game out of the game after again Watson has his very best game of the year. Yeah. Looks dynamic as hell. And now all of a sudden is when you want to question Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Couldn't have had anything to do with Bill O'Brien saying repeatedly during the week that he had his players back. Yeah, it? exactly. It couldn't have had anything to do with the fact that he never once defended the owner all that week after those comments. He never once came out and said like certain people talking about Oh, I know his heart. Yeah. That's not who he is. That kind of bullshit. That didn't have nothing to do with it, did it? And by the way, you don't know anybody's fucking heart. Some of y'all laying next to people every night, and you don't know their fucking heart either. Yeah. I'm just, I look, I probably hit you in your face just then, but I'm just telling you the <laughs> truth. Yeah. You don't know anybody's heart that doesn't live in the same house with you, and you might not know any of their hearts either. Yeah. And that's why every time somebody does something fucked up or stupid, people come out and say, well, that's nothing like the guy that I remember. Because yeah. you don't fucking know them. Yeah. So stop caping for people who you don't know. Yeah. They might have treated you well. Just say that. Well, they treat, in my interaction, they treated me well. You don't know how they treated anybody else. You don't know how they really feel. Yeah. What they think about you when you aren't around. Yeah. So just understand that. Okay, we got to stop having these people. I mean, it wasn't even 
uh, a few hours after McNair's comments were reported before you had people trying to cape for him. Oh yeah, oh, right away. That he did, you know, it's a, it's, it's just something people say. Oh, just a figure it's of speech. All this bullshit. Let him stand. If he want to make those excuses, let him make those excuses. Since it's his heart we're talking about. Yeah. I don't need to hear your commentary on his heart because yeah. you don't fucking know. Yeah. Okay. But again, maybe just maybe their report about looking at at, at Bill O'Brien for the rest of the season again. Yeah, they lost the game. And there's a lot went into them losing that game. Yeah. Remember, it took another late touchdown by Russell Wilson and a whole lot of holding calls that the referees refused (laughs) for them to lose that game. They almost pulled it out. So it's after that performance, one of their better ones, even in a loss, when all of a sudden, oh, we're not sure about this Bill O'Brien guy. Come the fuck on, dog. Yeah. Okay. We look. I'm a Hugh Jackson fan. He has totally fucking screwed uh, Kaiser this year. Yeah. Right. And, and we can be honest about that. Kaiser hasn't played well, but Hugh Jackson has has just totally mishandled him. Yeah. That hasn't happened in Houston. Maybe the only thing you can you can say about Bill O'Brien is that he should have started Deshaun Jack Deshaun Watson from the very first game yeah. from the very first, right? But we can all understand a, a head coach being scared of, of putting a rookie out there, especially a guy like Bill O'Brien, who's kind of yeah. old school, been around uh, 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 Belichick and Brady. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably a little nervous about that, but that's about the only thing you can really, really hit him on. Yeah, and it's just one game, too. I mean, it's not like Deshaun Watson was on the bench for the first month of the season or anything, either. It was one half. Yeah. <laughs> he recognized, at least by halftime, like, yeah, this shit ain't going to work. <laughs> Let's go ahead with the rookie. And you could be mad that he didn't start him to begin with, but at least he self-corrected. Yeah. So it's just, it's just interesting timing for me. I'm a guy who I like to look around at the context. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Bill O'Brien isn't my favorite coach. He, he isn't. Okay. But it just seems odd. Yeah. The timing of all this. Yeah. Another one of those fucking coincidences, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I, you know, and to me, it comes back to, you know, the thing that the, the, one of the sucky things about the whole Kaepernick situation is that is that owners and teams in the league have let politics for whatever reason, maybe, you know, and I know some owners probably have a different reason than others, but you know, they've let you look at a team like the Broncos and here they are in the midst of just a trash quarterback situation. And, you know, there's a guy out there that can help you, but nobody will sign this guy because they disagree with his politics. And you see, the same, it's the same thing in Houston. It's like they're not going to put winning. Don't come to me and tell me that winning is the most important thing in the, to these guys, these NFL owners, because it ain't true. And this, the, the Kaepernick thing proves it. The thing in Texas proves it this week. It, the, it, the Houston, with the Texans, rather, proves it. They're more than willing to put their politics ahead of winning on the field. And so anytime these guys come out and say winning's the most important thing, just like you talked about with the Bill O'Brien context, just like the Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown came out and shared some other things that the owner, Bob McNair, has said over the years too. So it's not like it's not like this is out of left field or right field, rather, for, uh, for Bob McNair to be saying this stuff. Oh, no. We, first of all, we knew this about him, yeah. right? Oh, like, yeah. Like that's the thing about it is, 
we knew there were some teams that didn't have a fucking shot uh, of signing Kaepernick, and it had nothing to do with their system yeah. or anything like that. We knew he wasn't going to Houston. He probably wasn't going to Tennessee, Cleveland, Dallas. Denver. Denver. New York Jets. Yeah. You know, you can go down Carolina. the list of the – you can go down that donors list yeah. of a certain guy who's in, who's in the over office some kind of way now. Yeah. <laughs> and you can check off every guy on that list because I promise you, when none of those guys are going to sign Kaepernick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, you know, these guys, the more they talk, the more they reveal themselves. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, Jerry Jones tried to sell himself – as someone uh, fixing the protest problem. Yeah. Because the protest problem for him was the protest itself, not what they were protesting, police brutality. Yeah. Right? And so he was saying the right stuff kind of before that. He gets everybody to kneel before the anthem, and they still get booed. And so guys continue to protest. And then all of a sudden, a little bit more of the real Jerry shows himself. You got to make them stand. You got to show them who's yeah. boss. Right? And so the well, more he these talked guys to talk, Trump. He talked to Trump too that weekend. I mean, Trump was the one he told, well, I'm gonna get these guys to do this. Yeah. You know, is this acceptable? You know, and Trump Trump gave him his blessing. He had guys protesting Trump who were actually doing the protest that Trump approved. Yeah. Right? So he pulled that off, but when it didn't quote unquote fix the protest, it's all a little bit more the real Jerry. The yeah. real jerks don't give a fuck about police uh, brutality or anything else uh-uh. about black and brown people, except for the ones that he personally knows. Yeah. So it, he ain't the only one. These guys are just showing you who they really are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you saw that with the Jones thing. I mean, just that whole, you know, he made it clear that he, I, when he's making it clear again, too, because you look at the reports coming out this last week over Goodell's contract situation. And now Jerry's making a big fit over I'm, I'm, <laughs> anyone that's listening to the show knows that, you know, this isn't exactly the most Roger Goodell friendly program on the internet, <laughs> but it's kind you know, now you got Roger Goodell. Yeah, exactly. And, but like you get Jerry coming in to sabotage this con, make a big shit and shit storm out of his contract on the guise of, well, it's a lot of things. The protests, he keeps throwing out the protest stuff. But you know the real cause of it. You know the real reason for this is because Ezekiel Elliott got a six-game suspension. Yep. And that's uh, it. And he's using yep. this anthem protest, using the protest during the anthem now as a proxy for that. Right. That's how he's trying to bring other owners into this, right? Yeah. He had no problem with the Brady suspension. None. He had no problem with. It. Matter of fact, I think he supported it. Hey, the, and he the Rice one the, too. And and the Rice one. And so he hasn't had any problem with the commissioner really until all of a sudden his player gets suspended. Yeah. And then I, I said to a good friend of mine that day that Goodell he was going to get shit canned by next year. I said. Some kind of way Jerry Jones is yep. going to get him shit can by next year because here's the thing. It wasn't just that Goodell suspended Zeke. It was that Jerry Jones evidently had been led to believe that he wouldn't be suspended yeah. at all. Yeah. If you go back and, and look at the write-ups or listen to 
the interviews from right before uh, the suspension was announced, Jared was telling everybody who would listen, there was going to be no suspension. He yeah. was going to be totally clear. Yeah. So it was the embarrassment factor of the whole thing too. And so I knew that someone's going to come up. Now, all of a sudden, a contract, which was supposedly already agreed to by both sides, Goodell and the NFL owners, the committee that 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 actually negotiates the contract. Yeah. All of a sudden, Jerry Jones, who is not on that committee himself personally, but injected himself into the committee. Yeah. Oh, he had some concern. Yeah. He, he all of a sudden, yeah, we we ought to have <laughs> him kind of on on a contract like the players, where we can fire him for cause at any time. Yeah. You mean like a cause like he? I don't know, suspended your starting running back. Yeah. And you ain't like that. <laughs> and listen, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and say, I don't care. Fuck Roger Goodell. Look, again, nobody feels as strongly negatively about Roger Goodell as I do. Yeah. Right. I, 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 I don't, he's not, I'm not a fan of his. No. But, but let me tell you this. If you do not like Roger Goodell, Unless it's because you wanted him to, to end the protest and make player stands. If it's for any other reason, like maybe he suspended your favorite player or, or did something you didn't like. If Jerry Jones is successful in getting him out of there, mm-hmm. what do you think the next guy is going to do when Jerry Jones tells him to do something? Yeah. If Jerry Jones, if Jerry Jones is able to orchestrate, and I'm not sure yet, they say that he doesn't have the numbers yet. Yet. But it's interesting that the number reported that he has so far is 17. Yeah. That's over half the lead. Yeah. All right. so if he keeps working this, the longer it goes before this contract is actually signed, the more I start running, wondering if Roger Goodell should look for a new job. Yeah. He might want to get on LinkedIn or something. I understand <laughs> they hire people off there. <laughs> You know, to do big things, talk to Russians and shit. So he might want to get on LinkedIn real soon. Because I'm telling you this, but 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 again, if he's successful at doing that, the next guy's gonna look up and say, "Okay, well, Goodell went against Jerry and he lost." Yeah. And now they want me to sign a contract where I could get fired at will at any time, and they won't owe me money. Yeah. Guess what that guy's gonna do? If you think Goodell's a puppet. The next oh, guy yeah. is going to come with strings attached. You'll see the strings. It won't be a damn thing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Go ahead. No, it's because the owners control that. They yeah. control oh, yeah. who gets elected as, you know, who they name as commissioner, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is funny because they always make it seem like, well, the commissioner works for the owners. And the, no, no. The, owners don't, uh, the, the players don't get the vote on this. It ain't like the pro bowl. The players don't get input on the commissioner. The owners handle that. So if he can get Goodell out of there, whatever you think of Goodell, the next guy's going to be 10 times worse. He's going to be a puppet, and there's no two ways around that because it will have shown the power that Jerry Jones has when he's pissed off at you. Yeah, he, he's getting these other guys uh, on board, hollering about the anthem, but he didn't start getting involved, really involved with these con- this contract negotiation until Zeke was suspended. That yeah. is the first time you're going to find him really railing against Goodell 
And, and again, he, he tried to make it it's cool. It, it, it's really diabolical the way Jerry handles shit, right? Because he got players, again, he got players to, to protest when they thought they was protesting Trump and they were doing a protest that Trump approved. So now he's saying that, oh, I don't want Goodell fired. I don't, you know, I, I still want him to work for us. I just want it on my terms. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure that if he pulls some shit like this again, I can fire him. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. But it is a big deal. It's a huge fucking deal. If you're Roger Goodell, why would you ever accept that in your contract? And if you're the players union, why would you want a commissioner on that kind of a deal? Yeah. Because let me let me let me make it very clear to you. If you are somebody who at the very least respects the players' right to protest, if Roger Goodell had a contract right now where he could be fired and the NFL wouldn't owe him anything for a cause. Yeah. And Jerry Jones said, I want you to make those players stand up on Sunday. What do you think Roger Goodell would have done? Yeah. Now, you might have a huge, oversized opinion of Roger Goodell. Maybe you think he's the most honest, you know, trustworthy, <laughs> virtuous person in the world. Yeah. But if I was Roger Goodell and I was in that situation... I might have to at least consider making everybody stand up, right? I yeah. got mouths to feed too. Yeah. So I'm just saying that, listen, you got to look big picture on this. Yeah. Nobody likes Goodell. You, you, I don't haven't seen any Roger Goodell fan clubs on Twitter. And I don't seen, <laughs> I don't seen a bunch of people with fan clubs. Shit, Cat Stacks got a fan club. I ain't seen a Roger Goodell fan club ever. But it's bigger than that. Because if Jerry Jones has his way with this, shit, he'll be the, the de facto commissioner. Oh, yeah. And, and he almost is, if you go back and look at the situation with the teams trying to move to L.A. Remember when he flipped the script on that one, too? Yeah. Yeah, that was his doing. I mean, that was his project from shit from the get-go, man. Yeah, I know you know that. Oh, intimately yeah. That had to do <laughs> with the Rams. Yeah. They they all thought they had a plan. Then Jerry Jones came out. Oh wait a minute. Yeah, last so minute. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, teams that thought they were going to L.A. Well, eighteen that thought it was going to L.A. It's like, well, maybe not. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, team ends up in Las Vegas. <laughs> Isn't it funny how that happened? Isn't it another big coincidence? So many damn coincidences this year. It's just, it it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's just like, I we uh, 12 months where the stars and the planets are all just perfectly aligned like this. I tell you too, the thing that makes this Goodell stuff interesting down the road is I, you get a, a pro Jerry Jones, you get Jerry Jones handpicked guy in there on a deal like that, like you're talking about where there's, you know, fired for cause. And you still got, you're, we're just a few years away from a pretty important CBA discussion. Now you think back at the last CBA discussion and what could have been, it could have easily devolved into an owner versus owner fight because the big teams and the small teams, it's not, you know, there's not just a, there's some gaps in the parity on that side of things too. And I mean, not every NFL team makes the kind of money and has the kind of, you know, net worth that Jerry Jones's Cowboys do. And so there's always tension in that regard amongst the owners too. And, 
you know, you had a commissioner that could kind of hold that in check a little bit in 2011, make it just strictly 32 owners against the players union. But now you get, you throw, you throw a wild card like this into the mix going into the next CBA. I mean, that's, you know, that's has real long-term ramifications for, for the shape and feel of, of, of the NFL beyond 2021. And there's already enough out there now happening in the world of the NFL that, you know, that, that it's a pretty safe bet as it is. League's not going to look quite the same as it does now in 2022. Yeah, it, these are interesting times. I, it really so, is. Um, and from a player standpoint, is is you got to wonder how all of this stuff is going to come together in the end. Yeah. Um, because again, I, I said this before. Uh, one of the most powerful images you could have seen that would have portrayed, uh player solidarity and strength would have been if the whole league knelt. Yeah. But the whole league didn't kneel. Mm -mm. And so as we come upon a time where the players union needs to be as unifying as possible, because there probably is going to have to be a lockout and miss games for them to gain leverage in the next CBA. The locker rooms are a little bit fractured too. Yeah. You know, you, you like I said, <laughs> we talk about the comments of guys who are protesting, but there's been guys who come out and have made players I'm talking about. Yeah. Derogatory stor- uh, statements about guys protesting. Yeah. And, and statements maybe not directly hitting at those guys, but making it clear that they don't agree with them. Yeah. And it's not one of those why disagree with them, but I agree with their right to protest kind of things, right? Yeah. Like, like there's guys in the locker room who aren't seeing eye to eye on this issue. Yeah. So, at, like I said, at a time where players need to be as unified as possible, this is fracturing them, too. Yeah. You, you can talk that bullshit about the locker room and blah, blah, blah. I seen, saw another stupid-ass uh, uh, statement or saying, you know, I wish the, the world was like a locker room. Man, it's bullshit. I've been in plenty of locker rooms. Never been in a locker room where every single guy got along. Yeah. Most of the locker rooms I've been in, there were fights. Right? And so, <laughs> stop feeding into this bullshit, this, this, you know, unicorns and rainbows, that somehow, just because you're in a locker room working together, that all of a sudden, y'all all just get along and hunky door and y'all hang out. There's plenty of guys that have never been to their teammates' house. Yeah. And never will. Yeah. And that's fine because, look, whoever listening to this, you probably haven't been in your co-workers' house. <laughs> exactly. But because, you know why? Because the locker room ain't that different from the real world. Yeah. It's actually just the real world in a locker room. Yeah. That's all. It just happens to have lockers and maybe a, uh, some Gatorades and, and, and helmets <laughs> and shit like that. But it's still the real world. The real world don't stop when you walk in them doors. Yeah. Or, and it definitely don't stop when you walk out of it. So we got to stop letting people sell this lie like, you know, you're in a locker room. So all of a sudden that, that just fixes everything. Yeah. It does not. 
And so this is this is the world. This is this is the country we live in. These are all issues that affect everybody inside or outside of a locker room. Okay. And 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 the, the concerns aren't going to go away yeah. because there haven't been policy uh, 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 fixes for this. There hasn't been a nationwide push for uh, uh, police reform. Now yeah. the NFL at least has jumped on board with backing police reform. But does it sound like they're sincere about it when you hear comments from Bob McNair and Jerry Jones? Yeah. Kind of seems like a PR play, right? Yeah. So, again, we can talk about the CBA coming up, what have you, but I'm telling you, if if the players are going to have any shot at, quote-unquote, winning the next round of CBA negotiations, you can talk about a lot of things, but one thing is for sure, certain, they had better be unified. Yeah. They had better find a way to rise above this and come together because if not, you're going to have some guys that want to strike, some guys that want to fold, some yeah. guys that want to feed their families, some people who, you know, want to stick it to the owners. And, and, and what's the favorite strategy? Divide and conquer. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see. That's one thing I don't think we really talk about nearly enough is the effect all this stuff has had. On the locker rooms, on mm-hmm. different locker rooms, because I can promise you, it ain't all kumbaya. No, I mean you—you you didn't even like uh, even with the Texans situation last week. I mean, it's there was still, you know, they what seventy-five percent of them or so did take a knee, but there were still some guys standing up and didn't, you know, kind of off over on their own side of the sideline too. Right, and what does that say? And yeah. what does that really say? Because some of the guys who were standing were at least. Over there by the guys who were kneeling. Yeah, right? I mean, they had their arms whatever. on them. And... But there was like five of them kind of off to themselves. I noticed that too. Yeah. And so what does that say? What does that say? Because, yeah. again, you don't have to join in the protest. But you can't even respect the right of your teammates to protest. Yeah. And we know, look, we know this for a fact. This this is an assumption. Yeah, defensive line for the Broncos Making light of the situation. Yeah. Right? Sam, well, people can protest anything these days. Yeah. And asking, why are you still here to the guys that are protesting? I ain't forgot. Yeah. Well, my, my, my memory ain't great, but I ain't forgot that shit. <laughs> yeah. So, again, you think there ain't a, another guy in that Denver locker room giving him the side eye every day now? Wondering what he really thinks of them? So, oh, yeah. again... It might not come out. You, we, we, we might not hear about it unless it's a losing team. I'm sure if it's happening on a team that's not winning very many games, it'll come out. You know, all of a sudden now it seems like <laughs> the 49ers are trying to force Eric Reed out a little bit. They done moved him to linebacker. Yeah. Right? So a little stuff like that. Dwayne Brown gets traded. So uh, we'll see how this all works out, man, but Again, I have a feeling this divide and conquer strategy is going to be at play in the background. Oh, yeah. Hell where, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I'm sure there's going to be some owners whispering to some of those guys who don't agree with their protesting, protesting teammates. Hey, I don't I don't know if you can trust that guy. Yeah. He ain't, he ain't really a patriot. Yep. You know, so we'll see how it works out. 
it's got it's gonna be interesting. I mean, you know, the NFL's it's it's a it's a change it's it's changing. I mean, it's just it's interesting. It's been interesting. You know, I've been doing this for six years now. It's just you know to watch how all of this has evolved. You know how the league and how we view football and how we talk about football and everything has changed over the years. And even just in that, you know, it's a pretty in the grand scheme of things, six years ain't a whole lot of time. But it's it's enough that you can see morphs and changes and evolution happening. And I just it's a it's a it's gonna it's it's gonna keep it's gonna keep on changing too as we go by. And this is really I mean I think all this stuff has sort of accelerated that too. It's a it, it makes it it makes it an interesting thing to watch at the very least. But for now, we've got uh, we got some games coming up and a couple new faces and some new places that I'll be interested to watch and see how uh, how some of these new additions affect teams going forward. But uh, I guess we'll start to get some answers to that this weekend. Except for maybe the 49ers doesn't sound like they're quite ready to roll Jimmy Garoppolo out there as their starting quarterback. But I can't <laughs> imagine too many – they're going to tolerate too many snaps from C.J. Uh, Bethard for too long. So, You know, I don't wish ill on anybody. I want Garoppolo to go out there and perform his best. But it's really interesting, all the people who are 100% sure that Garoppolo is going to light it up in, in San Francisco – because I remember a lot of people being 100% sure that Mike Glennon was going to light it up in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. I remember people talking shit to me about Brian Hoyer. Oh, he's going to show you how to play the position. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's funny. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out uh, on cap uh, before, we, before we end. Brian Hoyer, who was supposed to be an upgrade from cap. Yeah. People said this shit the whole offseason. Got released last week. Had four touchdowns, four interceptions, right? Yeah. So at the very least, statistically, he wasn't on Cavs level. No. Okay. Why then does he not even last a week in the unemployment line before he's signed by the Patriots? But yeah. it's a plot twist because I know what you're about to say next. Oh well, he's been there before, so he's used to the system. Okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. that's great. Cool. All right. But here's the thing, though. New England was the only team to try to sign him. The Green Bay Packers, who just a week ago, when somebody asked about signing Kaepernick, got all in their chest and shit talking about, oh, well, we just evaluate players. <laughs> and said they were cool with the quarterbacks that they have. Also wanted Brian Hoyer. Yeah. The Brian Hoyer that just got cut. They'd already have been benched. That is the same terrible fucking Brian Hoyer he's always been. Yeah. Even a little bit better. He made a couple of good throws. Good for him. Yeah. They ain't won shit. They still haven't won. That guy got multiple calls and had teams fighting over him after he already stole $7 million for this year. And he's going to get every fucking penny of that. <laughs> yeah. Gets a new three-year deal in New England, but also attract interest from the team that said they didn't have no interest in no quarterbacks. They were good with what they had after Aaron Rodgers went down. The fucking jig is up, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Just it, after it's... the Cardinals did the same shit, said, oh, we don't usually have three quarterbacks. The next day signed a quarterback that yeah. ain't nobody ever heard of. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you're not a Packers fan, 
Give yourself 10 seconds without Google to try to come up with a backup quarterback right now. Go. <laughs> you can't fucking do it. You know you can't. Stop. No. Stop. But no, Colin, no, we don't want Colin Kaepernick. Got nothing to do with the kneeling. We yeah. just, we good. We good with our quarterbacks. Yeah. Then the next week, hey, Brian Hoy. Yes. Yeah. Let me holler at you. <laughs> I, just we... thought, I just had to point that out because, man, look, I know people are tired of talking about Kaepernick. Somebody should sign him then. Then I'll stop talking. I probably won't, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, it's 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 something that ain't going away because the blatant fucking hypocrisy. It's not something I'm just going to sit here and watch and be like, oh, that's cool. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna point this shit out every time. Yeah. So just I just thought that was very interesting that all these teams that oh we're just we're good with two quarterbacks all of a sudden they want another quarterback just not Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Anybody yeah. Cap but Kaepernick even a guy who just was supposed to be an upgrade from Kaepernick but got cut and already had been benched even him but not Kaepernick. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because remember when remember when the Broncos and the 49ers were trying to hammer out a trade for Kaepernick and couldn't quite agree on the compensation and the, the, the trade compensation and the contract. And that kind of ultimately did it in. And then, uh, and then Kaepernick started protesting and suddenly the Broncos had no interest in him anymore. And now they're, uh, you know, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, those are our guys. And then, Oh, now we got Brock Osweiler. He's our guy. And, uh, well, here, here we are in the Broncos, surprisingly enough, not winning very many games with Trevor Simeon and Brock Osweiler at quarterback. Are they? I mean, you have a team willingly, willingly starting Brock Osweiler yeah. in the year of our Lord, 2017, yeah. rather than giving Kaepernick a shot. Yeah. If that ain't proof of collusion, I don't know what the fuck is. <laughs> it's, yeah. Kind of funny how that happens, isn't it? We done all seen the same film. Yeah. Brock Osweiler couldn't even start for the fucking Browns. Yeah. For sure. Go ahead and give him a shot instead of the guy that had 16 touchdowns and four interceptions last year. With a sure. shit team. With a shit team. And, and, and go ahead and waste your championship level defense because, hey, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Denver, fran- Denver fans. I can't imagine they're going to have a long leash with Brock Osweiler, and I can't imagine he's going to give them any reason to cheer for very long either. So this is going to be a very interesting last, what, eight weeks of the yeah. season. I can't wait. Oh, and then, yeah, and then the offseason too. It's just going to be uh, it's gonna be wild, man. going to be wild. All right, Stephen, uh, good show as per usual. And uh, I'd say we'll probably have even more to talk about next week. I hope we do. (laughs) 